0: Champions
1: go. and no. yes. Yes. Wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full forty with Chris and Rob coming to you from my Midtown Manhattan apartment. After another wonderful victory by the Villanova Wildcats to stretch our record to 13 and 4, 4 and 0 in conference and a five-game winning streak dating back to the Yukon game before Christmas.
0: Damn, we're like the best team in the country. Pretty much. Yeah, sign us up. I think we'll be ranked number 1 this week.
1: Yeah, we are undefeated during the government shutdown.
0: Therefore, continue the government shutdown. Yeah. Logical conclusion. So Good. Therefore, we're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about the government shutdown, as we should. Yeah. I think that's logically yeah. where we should go. Yes. Okay, perfect. And by
1: government shutdown, you mean, let's just get right into it, the uh, Shack Fit man play of the week.
0: Yes. I wish it was a block, because then it would have been a great corollary to the shutdown, but you know what? We're no. going to go with it anyway.
1: No, Jermaine, sh- Jermaine Samuel's shutdown... The CenturyLink Center in Omaha. Yes. With a thunderous.
0: Oh my god! Dunk. I literally a... jumped out of my seat. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. Was that on Crumple? Did he dunk on Crumple? Is, is that, that his name? Is that how you say his
1: name? I don't know. That's kind of what the Cramp- announcers. Crampelge. Was... You know,
0: so that's what I thought it was too. And then Nicole and I were watching the game, and they kept saying, I kept. I thought I was hearing crumple, and I turned to her. I was like, are they saying crumple? Is that really what it is? Crumple. Crumple? We're going to go with it. Yeah. Crumple. Let's yeah. call him crumple. He crumpled on this play. Oh, yeah. Because Samuels was just all up in his business. Yeah.
1: He was the unfortunate subject of a very big poster. It was terrific. Like
0: yes. Samuels, great game, contributed a lot, but that play just... And, and the amazing part is there were two other great plays in this game that you could have easily put up there for the Shaq fit play of the week,
1: which oh, yeah. were... The, uh The
0: Pascal alley-oops. Yes. The first half alley-oop, I did not know he could jump that high.
1: Yeah. You, he continues to do one thing every game, or in this case, multiple things every yes. game. He does a, a couple things well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> you're like, where you're like, holy shit, you're really that athletic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, you, we keep
0: talking about it, and then just something a little bit more, like... I didn't know it could get that high.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The first half alley-oop, I think he literally grabbed the ball off the top of the backboard and just threw it in. And then the one before, it was so hard that he he didn't have to, like, touch the rim on the dunk. It just went, like, he, like, threw it through the hoop.
0: It was so good. Yeah. It
1: was like in Can Jam. You ever play Can Jam? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was
0: like a spike. Yes. Yeah. And the um, the thing I loved about that first one was it seemed like he levitated in the air.
1: Yeah, well, that's a- every everything with him. He just, yeah. just he just went up there, kind of stayed there for a while, waited for the ball, and then threw it down. Yeah, Eric Paschal has wings. He, he basically
0: yes. Yes, he must have taken a Red Bull beforehand. Yes, clearly.
1: So so look. Awesome game. We did not get off to the slow start offensively. The slow start was defensively, mm. similar to the DePaul game. So we'll talk – I think let's talk Creighton first and then go back to the St. John's game yeah. a little bit. But wait, I thought the Creighton Wait, important game, question though. What? Are you excited? Oh, yeah. As always, I'm excited. We're definitely excited after a win. Okay, continue. Yeah. I
0: just had to get it in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we started slow, defensively, similar to the DePaul games, but at least it wasn't – an offensive slow start, yeah. right? Like you scored 23 points in like the first, like you know, 10 minutes of the game. You shouldn't be behind, right? But like we were, right? And so, <laughs> and so it was, it was tough because our defense was poor and we were letting Tyshawn Alexander just jock all over us. Mm-hmm. But then we tightened the screws in the back in the very last bit of the first half, and then especially in the second half. Like we just the the lid was on the bucket for them and yeah we we were like all over them it was, until yeah. the game was out of hand and then they hit a couple like long threes and it was like it got a little bit break, broken down but the defense in the second half was really good.
0: And that was the, the frustrating part playing them is they can shoot the three so well. And it was like, oh, we're, we're getting away, we're getting away, we're getting away. But they would always just kind of come back and hit a three and keep it in the game. Like, you never felt all that comfortable. This was in 2000, what was it, 2009? when we we're like, oh, Duke's going to come back from 20. But, yeah. like, <laughs> these, guys, these guys kept it close enough that you felt like they could hit a three or a couple threes and get right back in it. And there was even a reference, I believe, early in the broadcast to the... Uh, McDermott, Raggy beat down in yeah. whatever that was, and I was like, let's not bring that up again, please. Right. Like we we try to forget that. Yeah, gone through it so, therapy
1: after that. So look, I was watching the game uh, until the last like minute, until Jermaine Samuels um, picked up that and one Yeah, I was watching the game a little bit, not nervous, but a little like uh, edge of my seat, kind of hand under the hand under the legs, yeah. kind of like rocking <laughs> yeah. forward, um, just because. I didn't expect to win the game. We called a one in one week, and I yeah. said we were going to lose to Creighton on the last podcast. And I'm just thinking to myself, shit, now that we're up like eight with like eight minutes to go or five minutes to go or whatever, Like now we got to win.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, right. you can't let the chance slip by if right. you played this well to this point.
1: And I'm thinking, especially Creighton had that devastating loss to Marquette. Which should oh. the game should have gone to oh overtime? Should the game have not gone to overtime? Wow. Doesn't matter. They didn't show out in overtime, and they lost at home to Marquette. Yeah, that game. I nuts. thought. I mean, they they came out they came out swinging. We took a we took a haymaker, but we rolled with it. I thought Jay did a great job with the lineup in the Creighton game.
0: Yeah, super interesting. Yeah.
1: So he pulls DCR. Yeah. Uh, into the bench deep into the bench I was gonna say unfortunately. and we we
0: talked about this on the last podcast, kinda of the, the disappearance a little bit of, of Dada and it really continued. I mean this is
1: Yeah, so he's so he's got he puts Samuels in at the five, which yeah. we'll come back to. Yep. And then he puts Sadiq Bey in over Cremo. Hey baby. And I think a lot of the Nova Nation I don't think I'm saying anything that the Nova Nation doesn't really generally support anything yeah. saying that we all applauded that decision. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Look, I think we got to talk about quimo just because it's like such a hot, such a like hot, hot topic. Yeah. But I don't want to spend too much time right. on it. The kid's a good kid. Yeah. The kid is integrated well into this unit. He's part of the team. There's no question about his attitude, his commitment or willingness, etc. He's in a, a total slump. He hasn't scored since the DePaul game. and he's, Which is crazy. Yeah, and he's done some things that are pretty bad. Um, he stole yeah, like, a laptop the other day. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, he not, not that bad. Not no, that. Bad. No, not that bad. Yeah, he might look a little like Eric Devendorf, <laughs> but he's not Eric Devendorf. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. to be clear, So Cremo's a contributor. Clearly, Jay Wright appreciates his contribution. My guess is that in practice, he's doing all the right things and earning minutes in practice time. Yeah, and the game, which is what the Nova Nation can see, it just doesn't. He's just not showing that, and it's really tough because we were giving the kid a break a bit because of the mask yeah. and now he's struggling more since yeah and weird. it's really yeah, weird it's it's really going to take him some time i think to get trust back with the fan base not that he has to earn the trust of the fan base but it's going to take a game i think our friend was saying today was just a friend of the pod was saying he needs to have like you know five games in a row where he blows up where i feel like okay i'm back to like comfortable yeah but I think Cremo belongs on a bench, coming off the bench, trying to get a little bit hot from three. I think that's a better role for him. I think that's a better fit. I'd rather support the young—I I honestly do. I'd rather support the younger guys on the team. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought Brendan Riley from VU Hoops had a really nice article called The Curious Case of Joe Creamo. Um And I would check that out. I, he said he was. it was a little bit more supportive of, of Joe Cremo. Mm. And I thought it was a good article, though. I thought it was a, it was a fair piece um, that being said, it's just not showing it. Yeah. And I think two things can be true. One, Cremo could be not doing it enough in the games and not being good enough right now to really get a lot of minutes. And two, later on in the season, he could have a handful of games where he gets super hot and is a reason why we win some games, yeah, maybe even know. in March hitting a big shot or two or whatever. So yeah. so both things can be true. So I don't I don't dislike him. Yeah. I like him. I'm glad he's on the team. I just want the minutes now going more to the Quinterleys, the Swiders, sure. the Bays, uh, the Samuelses of yeah. the world right now. Because I want to see them develop.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting point you bring up, actually, too, of, like, the upside for him is uh, he could equate it almost to, like, Golden Tate on the Eagles, right? Like, everybody's questioning, hey, was was the Golden Tate trade worth it for the Eagles? And then he scores, basically, like, the go-ahead winning touchdown for the Eagles last week. And everybody's like, yeah. It yeah. was worth it, absolutely. <laughs> so, so if you take a similar approach with Cremo, where you're like, okay, you know, maybe there is some upside in. Look, he was a good shooter for X number of years at Albany. And if it does come down to it, there's a game or there's a couple games where he actually contributes. Yeah, just for that reason alone, there's probably enough to keep him in the rotation and keep being like, all right. Just keep in the flow of the game, be ready when your time comes, and we want to lean on you to hit that shot. So yep. it, it, it kind of makes sense.
1: Look, Jay's got us down to, we're in a nine-man rotation now, right? So Slater is not going to see the court, I don't think, for the rest of the season unless there's injuries. Doesn't seem like and, it. Yet. And that's it. So so we're we're at nine, and Jay struggles with nine. He really prefers to go eight, and yeah. even game by game, it looks like he's got an eight-man rotation. That's interesting, yeah. It's just a different eight-man rotation. Yeah, that's game. true. That's true. Uh, but... I really want him to stretch that out and get every one of those nine guys involved. Obviously, you need Phil and Pascal on the court most times. Right. Um, but I want to see him get that get that time. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. That's interesting. Um, so, but, I, but I think the Creighton game—sorry, I think we got to come yeah, back to this. Yeah, yeah, so let's, the, the, let's, let's the, move on. The Creighton game was, in my mind, the best end-to-end performance by the team this season. And that includes the defensive lapses up front. Mm. But still, best end-to-end game performance of the season. Some people might say UConn. The UConn second half was clearly the best half of the season. Yeah. But that first half was rough. And I, I really think this was a, a really good showing. Yeah, and them.
0: I'll go so far as to say, and we'll, we'll get to St. John's in a minute, but I'll go so far as to say I think this is the best week that Villanova as a team has had this season. And I think the argument can be made that, hey, the week in Florida when we beat Florida State was our best week. I can see your point there if you want to push that. I would argue that the fact that we're getting contributions from a lot of different people and the offense is starting to round into something that looks a little bit more familiar and a little bit more like kind of what we're used to that this week is actually way more exciting and represents a way more advanced team than the team that, hey, happened to slug it out and we had a, a random JQ appearance and a random appearance here and there from other folks in Florida versus now we're starting to get some contributions from folks and I feel a little bit more confident in terms of who we can lean on and know that this team can kind of step up and respond to challenges.
1: You you, you see the path to victory if Villanova is going to win games at this point, right? Yeah, right. Like the team is coming along. There's definitely progress across the team. Mm-hmm. But you know the you you know how this team if this team is going to win two games in March, yeah, which we've talked about before, I think is probably the ceiling. Yeah, if you get the right matchup, you could get a third. It's not a Final Four team. It's not going to be a Final Four right. team. So if anyone listening is still thinking Final Four, stop. Yeah. It's not going to be. There's no way. The only way that happens is an incredible run. Everyone gets hot and, like, the the bracket breaks down in a, in a for way. For sure. For sure. It's the only way this happens. This is not one of the four best teams in the country. Yeah. It's not one of the ten best teams in the country, and it's not going to get there. No. That being said... This team is coming together. It's made tremendous progress. And the way this team is going to win is you're going to need big contributions from the big two. Yeah. And then you're going to
0: need... Dada and Colin are who right. you're referring to. Of course. To. Yes. Right, right. The primary <laughs> Right.
1: No, you're, Eric, and you're it, it, need- Eric and Phil. It's Eric and Phil. It's Eric and Phil.
0: Which, by the way, Phil's playing out of his mind right now. Phil is,
1: Phil is crazy right now. Good guy. So is
0: Eric. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So I, I cut you off. Please continue. Yeah.
1: And then you're going to need two guys whether it's Colin, Javon, Samuels, Bay or another another maybe another guy or two whatever two guys who are going to be consistent performers who are going to be at that f- like 10 points mark dish yeah. five boards or assists depending on what position they are Right around there, and then and then you're gonna need one other guy who's gonna step up on a game to game basis, mm-hmm. based on matchup or just how absolutely hot hand.
0: Like last year, you had some random guy pop up, random guy, right? Random some, guys. Of, some of our all time grades, right? But there was somebody stepping up when we needed them to be. So yes, that, I, I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Right. So you have your big two, you have your secondary two, and then you have and then you have to have another two. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think right now we're still trying to figure out just who the secondary two is, yeah. and then it's a matter of Jay calling the hot hand yeah. into that into that five six man to to get that to get it going, right. and then the and then seven eight nine are going to be minutes spelling minutes.
0: I think one of the things that I liked building off of your point there is that so while you've got Eric and Phil really rounding into form and saying like look we're gonna be the primary guys for this the offense as a whole is starting to click getting into that secondary two now you think about you look at how well Colin was shooting today and part of the reason Colin was shooting so well from three was he was getting good looks right, right. stuff was in the flow of the offense he was getting it catch shoot he's not trying to force it and it's similar similar it's not the same it's similar. To the situations he had last year as well, too. So if we can get him to the point where, yeah, the offense is working enough that we're getting him those open looks, he can absolutely step into that, and that's probably going to be a little bit more natural for him. We've talked about it all year. We want to see him off the ball more, so he's a little bit more in that kind of catch-and-shoot type role, and we have ideally J.Q. who's running the point.
1: Yeah, right. Agreed. And I think the, the second piece is going back to the St. John's game. Is I think Jay did so much better with the lineup from the St. John's game to the to the Creighton Mm. game. St. John's was another game; it was like five. It was like seemed like so many games in a row where the start was slow. It was so slow. Oh my god! And you're just like Jay. Come on, you got to play a different starting lineup. Yeah. And the Creighton game proved that he could, and it worked. And then and then I think that I think he just involves different guys when he starts different guys. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Obviously,
1: Jay is pretty good about. Really having six starters—it's been his mantra for the last several years—but he gets got, he gets about six guys starting starters minutes. He needs to do that, but he needs to start different guys. I think I, I and and I think that this team is going to reach its peak when Quinterly gets to the point where he's good enough to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, and I think today and the St. John's game showed an example of why he's starting to get closer to the 6th, 7th man guy, yeah. but why he's not a starter yet. Yeah, He still struggles defensively. He misses rotations. He's a little slow on the pickup. He's not thinking through it. He's happy that he... Like, uh, Doug Gottlieb, who I can't stand, in the halftime broadcast actually pointed out on two possessions where Quinterly really scored why he's just not a starter getting big mm. minutes yet. Um, there was one where he hit the three, yeah. and then in the ensuing drive... Uh, by Creighton, assuming play by Creighton, he totally missed the guy making a cut right by yeah. him. And then he made a he made a nice little layup and then same thing, he missed a guy on a rotation. Yeah. And both times cut off guard and the Creighton scored points on it. Yeah. So it's a giveth and take it yeah, away uh, thing right now, but at least there's a giveth. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true.
0: Yeah, it, Like we talked about last time, too, he's clearly reached the point where he is a net positive. It is a good thing to have him on the court for Villanova, and especially this game. It's. I mean, he came in, what, I think right off the, um, the after the first TV timeout. So yes. like, he was early, which I, I believe is probably the earliest he's come in aside from whenever Colin was out, but he came in early. He was clearly top of mind for Jay. He's clearly gotten to the point where he is earning the minutes and is solidly in that rotation, which is great to see. He's obviously playing with a lot more confidence, and with him on the court, the upside for this team obviously changes. And frankly, I'm already looking ahead to next year. I'm like, all right, he's gonna stick around. Let's get some alley oops to Brian Antoine, baby. Let's, yeah. let's get he sign up for that. Let's like, go. Let's go. <laughs> 2019, 20, baby. It's gonna be an exciting year. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great to see him out there. I think he's obviously adding a lot at this point, so that's cool. Um, can we talk about Samuels real quick? Yeah. So you talk you talk about Jay getting different guys in the starting lineup. Obviously, Samuels has been. Really up and down this year a lot. From he had those a couple really good games early in the earlier in the year. He was in the post game with Jay, which is always a great sign. Kind of disappeared. Was not playing that well. He had a great game though today. We talked about he was terrific. He was terrific. He adds obviously a lot to the offense from a spacing perspective, and he actually did a pretty solid job. I thought defensively, he has his limitations, but he had at least one or two blocks. Caused at least one or two steals.
1: Like, he's doing a lot. I should say, he was terrific relative to my expectations of him. Yeah. But I have to be clear. I agree with a lot of what you're saying here. But one point is, I'm not overlooking the the defense. Yeah. So, you we mentioned before, DCR comes out of the starting lineup and actually gets buried on the bench. Which I yeah. thought Jay overdid today. But I'm, that's a nitpick. That's a nitpick. Yeah. Um, Samuels plays a lot of the five. Yes. Samuels is... At this point, not really good enough to defend the post. No, we've had guards of late that are better at defending the post than Samuels is. Yes, he's limited. He, for he's, Sure, he's limited. The reason why he's taller, he's athletic, he can jump through the roof. All those things help him play the five. But the problem is he lets the guy get the ball way too deep in there, and so by the time he's like in a defensive set the guy's already under the basket. Yeah. And at that point, he can't do anything. Sure. So he's got to work on fronting that post a little bit more um, and not just relying on athleticism. And that's an active role that he's not used to because Samuel's, by the looks of it, is a three.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? yeah.
1: But, but I think that Jay is warming him up for next year being the Pascal four.
0: Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, again, he can shoot it. In the, I mean, look, he's not a great shooter, but he has the ability and the confidence to shoot it from three. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. Ideally, he puts him at the four next year. Yeah, and Earl
1: is a five? I would, with, I would with, think so. With DCR?
0: Yeah. I would think so, yeah. yeah. Wait, is DCR going to be on the team at three? Oh, he <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> um, But, yeah, so, I mean, I think those are probably the big takeaways from the, from the week. We've got the clear leaders of the team, Eric and Phil. We've yeah. got other people stepping up. JQ is worked in. Samuels, ideally, he works in. Like we talked about last podcast, stuff is starting to come together, and maybe
1: more things are starting to come together at the same time now, which was great. And yes. if that happens,
0: more upside yeah. for
1: us. So, just a quick addendum on the St. John's game, and then yeah. I think we'll take a break. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, look, start slow start to the St. John's game. We've talked about that already. Yeah. but. Gutsy performance coming back against a ranked and game St. John's Absolutely. opponent. St. John's is good. Yeah, This is a team that is going to make noise. I know that they just lost to DePaul, but they were out pawns. Yeah. So two things can be true of that. St. John's is still really good, and DePaul is a lot better than they've been. And so I think that both of those things are true. Yeah. Um, so
0: yeah, we kind of breezed over the St. John's game. That's a solid win. Oh, That's gonna a look big, good. Big win. It's absolutely gonna it look a good big. Win.
1: I have one quick funny story from the St. John's. So I was watching at the game, the game yeah. with a coworker um, and friends of the pod. Yeah. Uh, after at, at a bar near my office, and <laughs> I had to laugh because we're watching the game, and there's a couple sitting away from us. Uh, but in in the same vicinity, yeah, and they're watching the game and clearly rooting for St. John's, but they weren't even paying attention to like the first like thirty minutes of the game, yeah, and then they like clue in and are watching and are like kind of clapping and rooting and etc. We weren't really making too much noise. We were clearly Nova fans, but it wasn't. We yeah. weren't making a lot of noise here, just kind of watching the game, right? Anyway, we win. I guess they had had a few beers. They leave, and the guy who was like didn't seem like he was like a big tough guy or anything like yeah. that is walking away from us and screams back to us, like, get ready for the blowout in February. <laughs> what is <laughs> like, that? And I'm like, I'm like, you guys lucky to get this one. And I'm like, uh, guys, all right. chill the fuck out, man. I'm in <laughs> yeah. like business clothes, like, watching this That's game so at a good. bar. Oh my God. That. I'm like, okay, St. John's fan. Like, like who are wh- wh- you? Where'd you come from? <laughs> where, where are all these St. John's fans coming from? Oh my from? God. That's so, amazing. So, I expect the garden to be a raucous environment yeah. in February because yeah. I expect a lot more guys like this one. No, but St. John's is good, which we'll get to. We'll get to a little bit more, I think, after the break too. Yeah, we still
0: believe St. John's is good. They oh, had a yeah. rough week and a rough start to Big East play, but yeah. well, they're still good. So
1: preview the second half so we're going to we're going to come to a break in just a second but to preview the second half we're going to talk about we're going to go around the big east yeah we're going to talk about bids we're going to talk about our bid our path to whatever seed that we're going to get in the tournament because i think now we can start to feel confident that that's going to happen guys we're halfway through the season oh we're more than halfway through this the season. is crazy yeah so this season went like we're bad. here so Dang. we're starting to talk about the tournament because here we go perfect all, all right. right Break. thanks we'll be back in a minute cool Hello everyone, it's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. Just want to give a special shout out to our official podcast partner, which is Nova Insider. Check out their website, NovaInsider1985.com. They got some awesome gear. Also look out, we're going to do a special collaboration with them for a Full 40 podcast t-shirt brought to you by Nova Insider look out for them they got a lot of awesome stuff coming down the pike in the very near future stay tuned it's going to be exciting and as always let's go nova hello everyone welcome back to the full 40 with chris and rob brought to you by nova insider yes so I wanted to talk about two things, two observations I made. One is going to be pretty well known at this point after the Kansas game and after one time today, and I tweeted about it earlier. I also tweeted about the second point, but I think that it's going to be a little bit less known. But when when I say it, I think people will get it. So the first thing is that Jay Wright has become the best coach in the country by a wide margin at taking fake timeouts, (laughs) i.e. taking timeouts when – uh, there's a weird stoppage in play where the yeah, refs yeah, look yeah. at something or huddle up for just like a second, I know exactly and all of a sudden he's yeah. drawing up a play, and the opposing coach is going fucking bonkers. As they should. McDermott today was going bananas. And when we were in Kansas, the fans were on all his ass, as it. they should be. Yeah, yeah. It's totally like kind of cheating. Yeah. Yeah. But he's great. I call the guys over real quick, like, hey, write him up, like. Quick, yeah. quick play. I don't know. And he hasn't gotten teed up for it. He hasn't gotten teed up I it. don't know how. He's going. He's got to. For sure. He's he, going to get teed up at a time.
0: I thought he was going to get teed up twice in the Kansas game, to be honest, because yeah. it was
1: so Agreed. egregious, yeah. like
0: ridiculous.
1: Totally. Right. So that's one thing. But the second thing that's not as much talked about is that, and we've done this now, I've seen this for like years, and I don't think anyone's ever put the finger on it, is that when the opposing team scores a bucket, we do a great job at taking just enough of our sweet-ass time to, like, yeah, inbound the ball yep, and start yep. the five seconds to inbound the ball Yep, as I've ever seen a basketball team do. Like, like, it's super slow. It's almost as though we get an extra five seconds of shot clock. So, like, what happens is, is that the other team scores. We take our sweet-ass time. And then we check the ball to the ref. We do that a lot. We toss the ball over to the ref <laughs> yep. so they don't start counting their 5 because yep. they're holding the basketball. So <laughs> we we toss the ball over to the ref, then they check it back to us, and then and then we take a couple of seconds and then we check it in. That process takes like 8 to 10 seconds right, on a lot of possessions, especially when we have the lead late in the game trying to prevent a comeback. It's like Jay's way of milking the clock just a little bit more, taking full advantage of all the rules. It's super intentional. Yeah. It's clearly intentional because of how much it happens.
0: Yes. And year over year, we have absolutely continued to do it. Yes, like for sure.
1: I can't believe that that's also never been called. We've never been called for a delay of game in my recent memory. We've never been called for uh, like a five second violation yeah. on an inbounds, like not like a, a five. We've been called for five second violations inbounds because our inbounds are usually a, <laughs> well a fucking you, adventure. Topic for a different podcast. <laughs> yes, um, but we've never been called on five seconds like after an opposing team makes a bucket and they're not trying to press us. Right, right. So it really is incredible how much we do watch games when we have leads especially in late in the game like last five ten minutes watch how we like slowly saunter over to the end yeah. line get the ball check it back to the ref because that's necessary not at all <laughs> yep <laughs> and then finally after taking our sweet time inbounds the ball at which point the shot clock starts at yeah. which point we take the full like 25 to 30 seconds of shot clock
0: i mean think about it right like so in this game we're up a, a decent amount if we did that on 10 possessions and it added, I don't know, four, five seconds, that's almost a
1: minute, almost a minute of game
0: time of free time that you took away from the other team. Yeah, It's actually a great strategy. It's
1: a terrific strategy. I've never seen any other team employ it like we yeah.
0: employ it. Yeah, it's super weird. But hey, good for Jay. I mean, <laughs> the one thing I would say, I feel like the one thing people consistently knock Jay for are lack of inbound passes when it's not March or April.
1: Right, right, right. Maybe
0: he's just focused all of the inbound strategy on, hey, yeah. just uh, milk some time. It's like, it actually pays off.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jay's, I feel like Jay's, Jay's approach actually, to inbounds play no, is- he actually
0: operates at a different level. Let me interrupt you. He operates on this, like, demigod level of inbounds plays. I have the golden plays drawn up for March and April because he is easily the best inbound coach in the history of the NCAA in tournament. the in the tournament. In the tournament. Pure Pier- It's it's undebatable. Yeah, yeah. It's undebatable. And second, he has that element and then he's got this crazy inbound strategy. When you add those two together, maybe Jay is actually the best inbounds coach ever.
1: He's guarding all the good inbounds plays, <laughs> yes. he's saving them, he's stashing them away, making everyone rock to sleep like a over. they can't fucking inbound yeah. the ball. Right? And Meanwhile, then, we've suddenly
0: boom. we've suddenly milked two minutes off the clock throughout the game. Yeah.
1: Whoops! Yeah. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, exactly right. So pretty good. Pretty so good. those are just two things I want to point out because it's just been something that's been like, it can be like what, we just saunter over. Yeah, it's crazy. It is pretty nuts. <laughs> you combine that with the fake timeouts. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Jay, right? Um, mastermind. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's Jay. That's where Jay is like really at a different level, yeah. taking full advantage of all that. Good for him. Um, all right, I want to talk about our NCAA tournament prospects.
0: Woo, let's do it.
1: Yeah. So five games ago, before after the Kansas game, before the UConn game, we said it on the full forty. We said the UConn game is a must-win game. Yeah, that was scary. We didn't say why, but we basically insinuated that if they don't win that game, then 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 they'd fall to eight and five, and the road to the NCAA tournament is gonna be bumpy.
0: Yeah. And right. the confidence level of the team at that point would have kind of cratered.
1: Out. Right, there have been three losses in a row. Oof. Yikes! Yeah, eight and five, and then you're walking in a Big East play in a conference that I mean we're four and zero, but in a conference that there's no bottom. Yeah, that's been the talk of the Big East so far this year. Is that Providence is zero and three right now in the bottom of the Big East. I don't think anyone legitimately believes that Providence is the worst team, but I don't think anyone knows what the worst team is. Yeah. Right. So with that being said, we won that game. Got off to that four and zero start, and Huge. now and now we're thirteen and four, and now you're looking at it and saying, okay, we're within striking distance of certainly securing the NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, right. Totally. Right at eight and four, you're thinking, is this team a tournament team? And yeah. You're thinking like you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I'm not going to question that too much because Jay is going to figure it out, and these guys will progress, and we'll get there. Yeah. But now it's like okay clearly this team is going to be hunting for a bid. And now it's a matter of what seed line are we going to get yeah. to. And that's all going to be dependent on our wins and losses for
0: the rest of the season. And, I mean, let's be clear, because this I think you're spot on with this. I was talking to Nicole about this the other day, and we were, like, right before the Creighton game. So we were 3-0 and at that point, and I was, like, starting to run the numbers. I was like, okay, you basically... Twenty twenty-one wins, you start to feel pretty good about your chances. Twenty-one, you feel
1: good. Twenty-one, you feel good, especially if you pick up one in the Big East tournament. Right, right? because the Big East is down this year, so it's not going to get as many bids. Yeah, right. And we'll and, get to that. Yeah, but, and and
0: twenty-one, I think twenty-one at that point, we would have taken us we would have had to have been like what like n- nine and six have or to something go nine like nine and six. To which finish. we were sitting there and I was like, huh, nine and six seems like pretty feasible. Right. And now we picked up another winner. I'm like, okay. Eight and six, we better go eight yeah, and six we'll see in the better Big go East. Eight and six. Like for sure, right? And as as we talked about in the first half, teams starting to round out a little bit. That eight and six starts to feel very attainable.
1: Yes, you go seven and seven, and even at seven and seven, you win one in the Big East tournament, and you're thinking, all right, we're probably in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You don't love that. You don't want to get there. No, we definitely. But don't. But seven and seven should not be this team's mm-hmm. goal by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. No. But now it's at the point where you're like, okay, the biggie, the NCAA tournament is is clearly within view. Yeah. And so now it's a matter of counting down the wins that you have to get to get to the to get to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So eight and six, I agree. You're there at eight and six especially if you pick up one, but even if you don't pick up one, I still think that you're probably looking at like a 10-11 seed, and you're in.
0: You you might even get, similar to how we got a little bit of program ranked at the beginning of the year, you might even get a little bit of a program benefit at the end of the year, too. Yes. Wouldn't
1: surprise me. Wouldn't shock me, no.
0: I I will say this, before we actually get into the details of it, I was thinking about this um, the other day and how, uh, actually yesterday when I was watching the the Duke-Florida State game, and I was like, man, the past few years, I feel like I've watched so much college basketball. I feel like I've been so clued into, like, all right, what's Duke doing? What's Kansas doing? What's Gonzaga doing? Like, all the top teams. I knew all the ins and outs. And I sat there and I thought about it and I was like, shit, like, this year has been totally different in terms of how I've, like, watched all of the other teams. My mindset has not at all been on those top five or six teams. Like, I ran through Nicole's like, oh, who's number like four or whatever? And I was like, oh, you know, I think it's, I don't know, probably Virginia or something like that. And I was like, shit, I couldn't even tell you all of the top 10. I feel like the past four years, I could have been like, oh, number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, here are your teams. Right. And I knew everything about them, right? Yes. And the mindset this year is just like, Shit! Like we got to make the tournament. Like right. now, at least I'm like, all right, yeah, we made. T- I'm feeling good about the tournament. I can start thinking about
1: maybe some of these other teams. I agree. I yeah. agree. When you're when you're the national championship contender that we've been for the last five years, yeah. your approach is much more selfless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like it's like I'm going to watch everything because I need to know what we could be up against. Yes, I need to
0: prepare myself for who I'm going to face. In the final four And in the elite eight Right This year I'm
1: be like Shit Who's coming up
0: in two days yeah, <laughs> like, right Good
1: right. god We are much more selfish this year Yeah We are much more selfish There's been a couple podcasts Where on the agenda Has been like We're gonna go around the Big East And like Our section of Around the Big East Is like uh, Yeah uh, Well there's three or four good teams That are probably gonna make it And uh, Yeah we'll, we'll come back to that later <laughs> Yeah
0: <laughs> Yeah it's very true It's, yeah, very, it's true. very
1: focused on this team Very selfish Last year we Villanova fo- fans are very selfish this year
0: <laughs> Last year Last year, we had a segment dedicated to Kyron Cartwright, and he was on Providence. Yes. <laughs> Very different mindset. Right,
1: right. My yeah, God. I've wanted. I'm like, when is that When <laughs> is that moment going to happen on a dumbass comment on a Fox Sports broadcast? Yeah. going to happen. I'm like, I can't even pay attention to that. I just got to know when our team's going, what's going on, and how are we going to make the tournament?
0: So- part, part of that may be because I feel like Fox Sports just continues to actually reduce their basketball coverage because... Hey, they don't really invest in anything. Yeah. Let's call but, it. Hey, but what it they is. have
1: brown ball rock. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. They did yeah. get that. today. Pass. Love that on the main Fox. It's awesome. It's I great. love that. It's the yes. one saving grace of Fox right now. Literally the only thing. Yeah. Okay. So looking ahead, right? So we said that's the that's the minimum required is eight and six. This yeah. team's got to go eight and six. Looking ahead at the last four games in January. Only game this week is Xavier at the Wells Fargo Center, a weird 8:30 p.m. Friday night game, unusual, but I think the students are back. It should be a pretty wild environment.
0: Primetime annual ass kicking for Xavier.
1: Uh, certainly hope so, and I that's my prediction is that this is going to be the we're going to be ranked this week. We're going to be ranked tomorrow starting Monday, and then and then we're going <laughs> to beat ass, we're going to beat Xavier, we're going <laughs> to beat ass. We're yeah.
0: Word on the street is Chris Mack is actually going to come back because he just couldn't miss an angle yeah. last kick. I him. think
1: we're going to have a big win versus Xavier on Friday. That
0: would be great to see. We've yeah. had obviously the Connecticut game, we won pretty handily, but it would—I would love to see us just come out, want, start to finish. I think we're going to have an
1: end-to-end. Yeah, I think we're going to. I think we're going to be a nice win, and then we're going <laughs> to we're going to beat ass, yeah, beat some ass, <laughs> and then and then starting on the next following Monday. We're going to be ranked at around twenty-ish, right? Nice. And then we play. We play at Hinkle, which we've had a lot of adventures there recently. Yeah. Um, but at Hinkle, Butler is not as good as they've been. Definitely. Um, neither are we. <laughs> Newsflash. Important <laughs> moment. <laughs> mention that uh, on Tuesday, uh, the following Tuesday, and then we have Seton Hall. I'm going to that game the following Sunday. Ooh. Uh, 2:30, and then and then we have DePaul at DePaul. So look, those are four games. we should beat Xavier, even though Butlers in Hankel, I still feel like we have a much better unit than they do this year. They're not, you never they're know not what's gonna, gonna happen yet. at Hinkle, but it, but I think we're gonna get that them should be a win. Yes, yeah. seen all at home is gonna be tough, but it's a home game. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna just a spoiler. I'm not gonna get to four wins here. Yeah. It'd be great if we do. And then and then at the Paul, you should win. So it's one of those things where it's like you look at those four games and you're like, all of these games are winnable. It wouldn't shock me if we go three and one. You certainly don't want to go worse than two and two. No, definitely but, not. But like three and one, I think, in the next four to finish out January would make me feel pretty good. Yeah. At which point then you run that record that we're talking about to seven and one in the Big East, and then you have ten games left and you gotta go five and five. Mm. Right? <laughs> Of which we yeah. definitely should. You good, good God! If we don't go
0: five and five over the last ten games, we've got bigger problems than, than mean, what than, seed that, we are in the tournament. Right. I mean, yeah. that means if you make the tournament, you're not doing anything anyway, so right. it, it doesn't really matter. It's a moot point.
1: Right. But let's just say you get there. So we're gonna we're gonna say three and one. We're not yeah. gonna predict where that loss is, but we'll say three and one. And then you got ten games left, and you think that we'll probably go six and four. You got two games against Marquette. Yeah. You got two games against Georgetown. Georgetown looks like it's starting to come together. It looks
0: somewhat competent. Yeah,
1: you got that game against St. John's, the 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 the, the we're gonna, we're gonna beat down in February uh, game, and we're then beat ass. And then you got at Seton Hall at the close out the season. So there's some losses in there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's but, not going to be easy.
1: But yeah. It's not going to be easy, but it's it's still doable to go six and four, maybe even seven and three to wrap it up. So at that point, then you're starting to look at like. Six seven seed, and I think that that's where I want this team to kind it, what's, of finish. What's that
0: put our record at? That puts us at what, like, 20, I don't even know what I said anymore. <laughs> I don't know. You said probably what, like, said, five losses, five losses in conference or something like yeah, that.
1: Yeah, so I'll call it 13 and five.
0: Yeah, so we go 13 and five in conference,
1: no, it's nine and five to wrap up. Uh, so then we'll be at 22 and nine. Okay. Going into the Big East tournament, okay. if you're 22 and nine, you, you expect to win one more. So you're probably like 23 and 10, 24 and 10, yeah. At best, 25 and nine, yeah. But probably around there. At which point, you're probably looking at a six, seven seed. Mm-hmm. I, I almost rather not creep all the way up to like the four, five line. I don't think, and I don't think do. are three seeds in the cards for this unit. Yeah,
0: I mean, just from a pure math perspective, right? If you're a six seed, you're implicitly like in the top 25 right, right? so and kind of in that like 20 to 25 ish range which is probably uh, where we'd
1: fall out. about right Seem, seems right yeah yeah it seems right so a six seed is like okay a six seed would be my favorite i think that's what i'm looking for i want a six seed then you get an 11 seed who you get an 11 seed avoid the 512 upset yeah hopefully yeah 11 seed's gonna be a game opponent gotta focus up but we shouldn't be able to get past a game opponent We have a lot of 11 seeds in the Big East this year. So we'll be very experienced at that. And then you roll the dice. You get a three seed. That's a team that's been really good but not good enough to be like super excellent. So you're not playing the Dukes and the Virginias of the world. Or the Michigans of the world. Yeah. And you roll the dice and you can get and you can find your way into the Sweet 16 by yeah. doing that. Yeah, no, that's
0: true. Yeah. And I'd be, wow, if we ended the year as a sixth seed, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. I feel like, especially with, the, with how rocky this team started. Yeah, obviously, preseason, we wanted to be a two, three seed, I think we had talked about. But where we are now, yeah, give me a six, I'll sign up for that for sure. Yeah. And let's roll the dice with Phil and Eric.
1: Well, and the funny thing too is, like, you get the sixth seed and if you beat the three seed in the second round, you might as well have been a three seed. Right? Then, yeah, at true. that point, yeah. then, then, you're just play, then, hey, there then you are just just go from there. There you go. I like it. Yeah. So that's what I think is where – I think that's where I want this team to kind of shake out. If this team can get to the six seed line and then win a game in, in, in the NCAAs and roll the dice versus a three seed, I think that's a good season.
0: Yeah. No, that would be cool. You mentioned the Big East Tournament. We don't need to harp on it. Big East Tournament's going to be fun this year.
1: Oh, boy. It's going to be wild.
0: It's going to be a lot. I mean... Yeah, the, anybody
1: 1-10 to ten can actually win for the sure. Big East Tournament.
0: I mean, I think the perfect example is you look back at the week within the Big East that we had. <sighs> we had the double OT game with Georgetown and Providence, and then we had that marquette Creighton thriller. I think that's just kind of indicative of what the tournament's going to be. It's going to be a great
1: year. It's going to be East mayhem. Tournament. If you can take... Time off, yeah. On the Thursday of the Big East tournament, take that day, baby. It is blast. going to be wild,
0: absolute blast. Yeah, I, that's a great plan. I want to do that.
1: Yeah, man,
0: that's cool. All right, that's that's exciting. All right, I
1: think we're good there. I think so. And then I just want to talk. We've 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 been doing this running conversation about over under for Big East teams in the dance this mm, year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm at four and a half right now. I'm still at three and a
0: half. You're still at three and, and a half? I'm still at three and a half. The I got three us. three and a half means... I got Marquette. I got St. John's. and I don't know.
1: Seton Hall is going to make the tournament.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Seton Hall is—they've got plenty of upside, for sure. They've shown that. They beat the OK Kentucky team.
1: Dude, four teams is, 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 is a guarantee all at right, this point. All right, all right.
0: Well, I'm I don't guaranteeing
1: four teams minimum in the in the tournament from the Big East this year. All right, you heard just it here. A, you heard it here from me first. Perfect. Well, we just have different points of view on this, <laughs> clearly. But then I think it's four and a half because I think we're going to get one other person in, and I think it's possible we get a bid stealer. Mm. We talked about it. We just yeah. said the Big East tournament's yeah. going to anyone true. one to ten That's can very go true. get on a heater and win the Big East tournament. And this might be a year where you get like the seven seed goes. Do you imagine DePaul? That'd be wild. Absolutely wild. But the screws gets loose. This is a year where Georgetown oh, could just go play about eight overtimes throughout the Big East tournament because oh, that's oh, all my. they do is go into double OT lately. It seems to be and and win that team's game. Georgetown. They're not, they good, but they're they, not but they, good, but they but they but they but they're like a game opponent. They, it's been so long. Play since with some sounds Moxie. good. Mac McClung. Mac McClung.
0: Yeah, he did hit that ridiculous shot yeah. to uh, I think it's the fourth overtime. I want to say yeah. crazy.
1: So. I don't have much else to talk about here. I mean, we would do a heart monitor, but unfortunately, all our NBA guys have been kind of—I will say this I
0: will—they haven't been great. Brunson's been pretty good. Brunson's, Brunson's actually been the see...
1: shining star lately. Shocking.
0: Um, Brunson is going to get an uptick in minutes the rest of the year because JJ Barea, who is the backup point guard for the Mavs, just tore his Achilles. So more spotlight for Brunson. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rest of the guys haven't been too great. Arch's minutes have been down. Josh has been definitely on a cold streak right now, but. Yeah, work through it.
1: All right. I think we're good here. We haven't given everyone a short podcast in a while. That's so. true.
0: We'll save you some time. Yeah, we'll save give, you some give time. Give you some life back. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go interact with some people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back. We're on a weekly schedule at this point. So yep. we'll be back uh, next weekend. Probably Sunday drop. Probably. Um, we have a, a wedding for a friend of the pod. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Keep forgetting about that. Same guy who we went to his Bachelor party. Yes. A while ago. That's true. Um, So, all right, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening to The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, brought to you by Nova Insider. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.